there, I'm Leah Ben Miller, the worship leader of the local church, and you're listening to the local church podcast featuring the messages from our Sunday liturgy. The local church is a bold, inclusive faith community based in Chatham County, North Carolina, and our mantra is our mission, love where you are. We gather for affirming, anchoring, and empowering worship every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Woods Charter School and online via Facebook Live and YouTube. No matter where you find yourself physically, spiritually, or emotionally, you belong at the local church. And we're so glad you're here. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel according to John, chapter 4, verses 5 through 42. This is the story of the woman at the well. So Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his son and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will never thirst again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty and have to come or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true, the woman said to him. Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that, the, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am here, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. 
He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for the eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the sayings hold true. One sows, another reaps. I say you to reap that for which you, do, you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from the city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. This is the word of God for all of God's creation. Thanks be to God. the story goes. We know how this story goes. We've seen this play out before, haven't we? Uh, it's, it's what they call a meet-cute. Anybody heard of a meet-cute? A meet-cute? Uh, it's one of those chance romantic encounters that turns into something more. Anyone who's seen one of countless Hallmark movies uh, or, or Love Actually or When Harry Met Sally or read any romance novel, you know what a meet-cute is. Uh, and, and we know how this story goes. In fact, that very same thing has played out at this very same place here at Jacob's Well, the site of today's scripture that Dan read for us. There's been a meet-cute there before. and In Genesis 29, it's the site of, uh, where Jacob and Rachel hit it off. And some scholars believe it's also the site of other biblical betrothals, including that of Moses and Zipporah and Isaac and Rebekah. We know how this story goes, especially when a man shows up to this well in the middle of the day and along comes a woman to fetch some water. They're the only ones there, and maybe they'll exchange some glances, make some small talk. Maybe, maybe she'll drop something. He'll help her pick it up. Their eyes will meet They'll, they'll fumble awkwardly. They'll turn away quickly, embarrassed, but with a hint of a smile. And the rest is history. We know what to expect, right? Because we know how the story goes. And yet, and yet, that story is not this story. That's not what happens between Jesus 
and the woman at the well. This story is different in all kinds of ways. And, and as Jesus is prone to do, as the Bible so often does, it's meant to take our expectations and flip them on end. And we begin to see that the moment a sweaty, exhausted, worn-out Jesus opens his mouth to speak underneath a fiery sun beating down on him mercilessly and says to this woman who's come alone to fetch some water, give me a drink. Give me a drink. God enfleshed, love made local. The savior of the world is here and his first words to this Samaritan woman express a vulnerability, a weakness, a need. And that should catch us off guard a little bit, sets us up to wonder if perhaps there's more going on here, and spoiler alert, there is. Maybe we didn't know the story as well as we thought we did. But before we get into all that, uh, a quick word of welcome. My name is Brent. The great joy of serving is the pastor of the local church, and uh, it's such a gift to be with you on this beautiful uh, morning here. Um, And uh, we say three things every time, uh, or we hope for three things for you every time you connect with a local church in any way. We want you to feel affirmed, anchored, and empowered. That is, affirmed in your belovedness as the child of God that you are, anchored in the good news that we share together each week, and empowered then to take that good news to take your next faithful step toward the mission that God has for you, for all of us. And and we say that that mission is to love where you are, affirmed, anchored, and empowered by God's grace. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey or on no journey at all, you have a place here at the local church. We want you to know that. And and, and we are more uh, whole with you. You're more than welcome. You belong. So if you hear nothing else this morning, hear that. We can't wait to discover the ways that this community is transformed by your presence among us. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, I would love to do that after the service. I'll be by the door. Um, would love to give you a fist bump, elbow, whatever you want. Um, but we're so, so glad that you are here. If you're participating online this morning, not sure which camera, maybe that one. That one. Good morning. You're doing nothing wrong by being at home. Hope you have a lot of blankets this morning. We're glad that you are here to participate as well. It's the third week of the season of Lent. And as a refresher, Lent is the 40-day season in our church calendar in which we journey with Jesus toward the cross, toward the heartbreak and the hope of Holy Week and Easter. Lent is a season of preparation. It's a season of penitence. I like to think of it as sort of a spring cleaning for our souls. Uh, Definitely feels like spring this morning, right? It's the season uh, in which we clean out the drunk drawers of our hearts and freshen up the rhythms of our lives, reorganize our priorities so that we might turn again toward love, toward hope, toward life, toward possibility. To guide us in this season, we've been in a series called Seeking Honest Questions for Deeper Faith. Honest Questions for Deeper Faith. And and it's a reminder, this series is, that, that Lent is a journey. And as we travel together each week, we'll come upon a different question that's rooted in the scripture, that's intended to, to open us up. Intended to to crack open our imaginations and and change our direction and move us closer to the heart of God and deepen our faith. Our first question two weeks ago with Bishop Will Willimon was, uh, who will you listen to? Last week's question was, how do we begin again? And if you missed either of them, they're up on our podcast feed. This week, 
our question is the one that we heard from Jesus just a little bit ago. A little bit ago. Will you give me a drink? Will you give me a drink? How might this question quench our thirst this morning? How might this question break us open? See and live differently. As we begin, let's just be quiet for a moment. Holy God of conversation, we come to you today thirsty for all kinds of things. Maybe we're thirsty for hope. Maybe we're thirsty for good news. Maybe we're thirsty for a glimpse of you. So today we pray that you would move here like a current Give us the courage to wade into your story with open eyes and open hearts. Give us the courage to drink this moment in. We are listening. We are deeply grateful. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Give me a drink, Jesus says, and in so doing, he immediately subverts our expectations. What kind of a Messiah has a need like that. But that's just the tip of the iceberg of things in the story that subvert our expectations, that that tell us there's more going on here, that open our imaginations to new possibilities and and new understandings that bring us closer to the heart of God. I'm going to share three of them this morning with you, three more subversions that upend our expectations. And the first is this, that Jesus is there at a well in Samaria at all. Dan did a great job reading, didn't he? Round of applause. Thanks be to God for Dan. There was a, that was a lot of words. And in fact, this is the longest recorded conversation between Jesus and another person. And, uh, and I just want to first highlight the juxtaposition here with this story, between this story and the one that we heard last week. Because that's a revelation all its own. If you were here last week, you'll remember we heard the story of Nicodemus, a Pharisee, that is, a religious leader, an expert in the interpretation of Jewish law, who comes by night seeking Jesus, to, to seeking him out to ask his big questions about life and faith. And we perhaps explored how perhaps Nicodemus was outgrowing his faith, responding to Jesus' invitation to begin again. But now, today's story comes in the very next chapter. That was chapter 3 of John. This is chapter 4 of John. And, and it's, it, it's a complete <laughs> juxtaposition because you got to notice these key differences. First, while that story took place when? At night, Jesus or John makes a point to mention that when Jesus is sitting by the well, quote, it was about noon. Huh. While in last week's story, Nicodemus seeks Jesus out, this week, the woman at the well just happens to meet Jesus. And in fact, you could, it almost seems, doesn't it, you could make the case that, that perhaps Jesus seeks her out. And finally, while last week's story centers on a Jewish religious leader, this week's story centers on a Samaritan woman. And now here's the thing. There's bad blood between Jews and and Samaritans. There's no love lost. Much of it has to do with differences and distance and disagreements over practices of worship, styles of worship, the proper place for worship. That's what the biggest rupture uh, has been for generations, which seems kind of petty, 
doesn't it? Until you realize that we have denominations in our own Christian tradition for much the same reasons. And so the fact that Jesus is here is remarkable in its own right because Jesus is traveling from Jerusalem back home to Galilee at this point. And although it would make the most sense, I think we have a map, although it would make the most sense along the way to to go through Samaria to get to Galilee, most Jews make a point of going around Samaria, taking the scenic route the long way. That's how much bitterness is there. And what's more, not only would Jewish people uh, do whatever they could to avoid coming into contact with Samaritans, but Jewish men in particular weren't allowed to talk to a Samaritan woman. And a Jew who comes into contact with a Samaritan becomes dirty, ritually unclean. And that's why the woman asks, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink? <coughs> I need some water. Hang on. It's ironic, isn't it? How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? And yet, Jesus makes the intentional choice to cross cultural and religious and societal lines to go through Samaria. Why? Well, remember how last week's story ended. John 3.16, remember that? About the way in which God loves the whole world, the whole cosmos. When Jesus crosses into Samaria and meets this woman at the well, he's embodying the extent of that expansive love. Even for her, he seems to say. Especially for her. I was talking to Leah about this earlier this week, and, and she was marveling at the fact that this Samaritan woman is the one to whom Jesus first reveals his identity publicly as the Messiah. Not to, not to somebody who's got it all figured out, not to the privileged, not to the powerful, not to someone with a perfect past or a squeaky clean image or, or someone who has all the right religious beliefs, who checks all the boxes, perfect attendance on Sunday mornings, not even to a man who's much more likely to be believed as men were, but to this Samaritan woman. It's as if Jesus is saying, my love is even for them, especially for them. These, those people, in fact, there is no those people in this new way of living together. There's only us. There is no them. There's only us. Maybe we don't know the story as well as we thought we did. That brings us to the second subversion, the second part of the story that defies our expectations, and that's the conversation itself. It's a strange exchange, isn't it? It begins with Jesus asking for a drink, and though Jesus expresses his own need, he also sees the need in her. It's why he says this, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. Maybe it's the fact that she's there at midday, the hottest part of the day to fetch water. That smacks of some sort of social isolation. But I also wonder if it's the conversation itself that reveals her deeper need, her thirst. A thirst that goes beyond 
the material because there's this moment in the midst of the conversation when Jesus tells the woman to go and call her husband and she says, I have no husband. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you were right in saying, I have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true, Jesus says. And now we're quick, aren't we, to want to jump to some sort of sinful behavior in the woman's past. But chances are good that this is not the story of just a few relationships that have gone sour, that didn't work out. It's likely not the story of some past shady behavior. In other stories, we know that Jesus calls that sort of thing out. That doesn't happen here, and so there must be something else going on. And so instead, what's much more likely is a story of pain, a story of heartache. With five husbands, chances are good that she's been widowed at some point, probably also divorced, a divorce that likely happened without any voice or agency of her own. Some scholars believe that it likely had to do with infertility, if that was the case, and so thus no usefulness in that culture. And, and so it's heartbreaking. It's tragic. I was talking with a clergy friend about the story this week. That's what we do, by the way. Um, about how Jesus just seems to, to know things about her. And she stopped me mid-sentence and said, or, or maybe he was just a good listener. Maybe he just listened Well, maybe he just decided to stick around and really get to know her, really listen to her story, really listen to her heart, experience that deep need, which makes sense because for John, the gospel writer recounting the story, relationship, abiding, sticking around, staying with it, that's at the heart of who Jesus is. This is what he's all about. And so sticking around, staying, listening, leaning into relationship would be totally on brand for him. This is how he chooses to offer her living water. This is how her deep thirst is quenched. By Jesus seeing her and knowing her and loving her. Perhaps that's why Jesus opens from a posture of vulnerability, asking her for a drink of water first, modeling it, so as to say from his vulnerability and from his weakness, hey, I know you've been through so much. I know you've experienced unimaginable things. I'm with you. I'm with you. In other words, out of his own vulnerability, his emptying of power from a posture of humility, he's creating space for her vulnerability. Are you with me? Creating space for her story. And out of that is born relationship. From that comes the living water. And whether we know it or not, whether it's on the surface for us, that subverts our expectations too. Because we who are so quick to see a need and want to get right in there and fix it, right? Figure it out, solve the problem, throw money at it, play Jesus, and, and then move on to the next one as if we're the Messiah. But instead, notice that Jesus gives his power away and takes that time to be with her, to listen deeply to her story. He does the slower and much harder work 
gets a sense of her real need, a need that goes beyond the material. After all she's been through, in the wake of death and divorce and marginalization, she's thirsty for belonging, thirsty for peace, for someone to really love her. And Jesus does. That's the difference between relief and empowerment. That's the difference between charity and solidarity. It's the slow, hard work of relationship. When all that certain voices in the world seem to want to do is pull us apart and further entrench those vast chasms between religious groups and political parties and on and on trying to convince us that the other is dangerous or evil or subhuman, playing on our worst fears to remain in power and keep us at each other's throats, Jesus just listens. He stays a while. He says, tell me more leans into that slow, hard work of relationship. Why? Reminds me of this quotation from Mother Teresa, St. Teresa. Now, if we have no peace, it's because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. I thought of another quotation I wanted to share that connects this morning from um, a professor at Duke Divinity. That's um, probably the best piece of advice I think I've ever received. People listen to people who listen to them. Dr. Susan Eastman. People listen to people who listen to them. Maybe we didn't know the story as well as we thought we did. And now the final subversion, the jar, the one that she brings with her to collect the water that she came here for. But instead, after her encounter with Jesus, what did she do? She leaves it behind, right? And runs into the city declaring, come and see a man who has told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? One beautiful point of connection I want to point out uh, from last week's passage about Nicodemus is that her words here end in a question just as his did. Last week, perhaps an invitation to continue that seeking. But here's the thing to notice. Here's the good news. In receiving the gift of living water from Jesus, Jesus makes good on his promise that, maybe that didn't make it in. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up toward eternal life. In them will become a spring of water. Working through this passage with Leah this week, she said something striking. I thought it was so good. She said, here's the thing about a well. It's not just for you. It's for the community. This is the truth that the woman discovers. Because in the same way, this gift of living water isn't just for this woman. Yes, she has dipped her toe in and found what her soul had been thirsty for. But, but true to the word of Jesus, the water became a spring welling up within her. And she can't help but let it spill over. She can't help but share it. She leaves the jar behind because, by God's grace, she has become the vessel from which the living water springs forth in such a way that all who are thirsty find what they need. This is our hope each time we gather. This is our charge, too, that we would gather here to be quenched by the source of living water who knows our deepest thirst, 
but then sends us to turn the world's expectations on end, crossing cultural and religious and social boundaries with vulnerability into relationships, solidarity to listen and respond to a friend, a community, to a world that's asking, will you give me a drink? May this be the story that the world comes to know through us. Thanks be to God. Amen. If you love what you hear, share this episode or send it to someone who could use a little good news this week. We'd also love for you to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. It's an easy way to share the love. You can learn more about the local church at our website, growlocal.church, or just come see us one week. Thanks for listening and love where you are.